welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me as always is my good old buddy, Court Winsett. I am your good old buddy, Katie. Cameron, <laughs> where's that opening bell? There it is. <laughs> awesome. Let's talk about love. Okay, fine. Let's talk about love. Love is love. Love. <laughs> Twoo, love. Oh my goodness, Mowage. Mowage. So this is launching Thursday before Valentine's Day. Yes, it is indeed. In case you're wondering, Valentine's Day is Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, you know, if you need to get that last minute gift... Hurry up and get get on out there. I gotta tell you, I'm gonna get in trouble with my wife over this one, but I hate Valentine's Day. It's just, you know, so much pressure. It's overrated, honestly. So much pressure to be romantic, and I'm just not a romantic individual. I would rather someone send flowers or do chocolates or whatever, like any random Tuesday, than on a holiday they think they have to. I will say this though, just uh, just as a, and then we'll get into our top five because this isn't even our top five. But I do want to th- give props to my wife who, for Valentine's, the like one of the most memorable Valentine's gifts I've ever gotten was from my wife. She is a great gift giver. I think I've said that before. She gave me a bottle of Four Roses bourbon and chocolate fa- flavored bourbon. So she oh, gave so me chocolate and, and roses. Jo- oh, I love it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, fantastic. Um, when uh. My husband and I had our first official date. It was, we met the weekend prior to Valentine's Day through mutual friends. And then he asked me if he could take me on a date. And I said, yeah. I said, but it can't be on Valentine's Day. Because hmm. I was not about to have a first date with some stranger on Valentine's Day. Like, that come on. That's some pressure. pressure. That would be a lot of Then your anniversary would always be on Valentine's well, Day. So At he, least your dating anniversary yeah, would so be. So our dating anniversary is on the 13th. So mm-hmm. it is the day before Valentine's Day. But um, that's what I usually say. Like, if we celebrate that weekend, it's not Valentine's Day we're celebrating. We're celebrating that I decided to let you take me on a date the day before <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> no, whatever works for you. Okay, so since we are doing... We're basically doing love and finances... Um, not to be confused with love and rockets. The, I was the thinking love and marriage. <laughs> or love and marriage, for that matter. Um, we are doing love and finances, so uh, we feel like uh, a very good, very simple, easy top five topic for this week is... Top five romantic comedies. Now, I want to put some rules down here. We are talking romantic comedies, which means there are a lot of very romantic movies out there that are not going to make this list because they're not comedies or at least they're not strictly comedies you know there are no dramedies in here these are the straight up sort of syrupy sugary saccharine romantic comedies the rom-coms yeah yeah so um uh we're gonna do the top five romantic comedies in honor of love and marriage (laughs) katie take it away Okay, this was hard to do because there's so many I love, and I tried to not repeat some that I feel like I've talked about a lot on other episodes, but so here's, these are not necessarily my top five, but these are five I really enjoy. So, uh, number one would be How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Very good movie. I've watched it many times. You know, um, I think I've told you before, Robin Robin absolutely loves Kate Hudson. I love her. I have watched every single Kate Hudson movie 50 million times. And of all of the Kate Hudson movies, with the exception of Almost Famous, which is in a romantic comedy, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is easily my favorite. It's a great movie. She's trying to write a story and trick the guy and ended up falling in love. And that yellow dress, I remember, fell in love with that yellow dress, had to get it for a 
prom that I was going to. And of course, I, I hated the guy I went to the prom with, but loved the dress because the, it was inspired by her golden yellow dress from How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Yeah, that one that she wears to the diamond thing at the mm-hmm. uh, near the end of the movie. Yes. Yeah, that is a good dress. Frost yourself. That is a good dress. You <laughs> let our love fern die. It's <laughs> <laughs> your love fern. Number two, Katie. Number two, uh, sticking with my ten theme. Ten things I hate about you. Ah, yes. Taming of the Shrew. Yes, uh, and Heath Ledger. Oh, miss him so much. Like I, I just I, I think about what he what he could have created. Oh, he created a lot, even even in the in short the time short that he years, was yeah. here. Yeah. He was an amazing actor for sure. But that's another fun one about uh, you know, falling in love with the person you wouldn't expect and mm-hmm. just lots of fun aspects. One of, of my favorite me- memes uh recently has been and I don't know how long it's been around, but it shows Heath Ledger and Joseph Gordon-Levitt in uh, in Ten Things I Hate About You, and then a picture of Heath Ledger and Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Batman, uh, Batman, and in, in The Dark Knight, and you know, it says oh, like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, you realize I didn't realize that that he met the Joker so many years ago." Anyway. Yeah, me in high school, I could definitely quote the whole like, "I hate the way you don't talk to me." Like, I, I could quote the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore now, but. Yeah, that was what I was doing. Okay, number three. Number three, uh, Sweet Home Alabama. Awesome. Love this movie. Reese Witherspoon. I'm a big Reese Witherspoon fan. I wonder if it's as popular up north as it is down here in the south. They probably like it and they because they think about that's what the south is. But mm. I really just think they did a great job with it. With Reese being southern, she kept it true to how the south really is. And it wasn't just like... Some of those movies as a Southerner see were like, we're not really like that. You tried <laughs> way too hard to be Southern. Yeah, yeah. So that's another great one. Okay, number four would be Clueless. Yes, I obviously. feel like I my VHS tape was burned up by the time I finally switched to a DVD because I watched this movie so much. Okay, I'm just gonna throw a wrench in here, just real quick, just to, you know, just just to keep it, just to keep you on your toes, to keep it hopping. What is your position on the whole? Um, way older than her stepbrother ending up being her boyfriend at the end of the movie. I mean, I know where I fall, but I'm just wondering what your take is. I, I mean, when people look, when you're watching the movie, you don't see it as like the stepbrother. You and really the parents are like, eh, they're not together anymore. So it's it's. I, I feel like with that and with that lifestyle, like that was just a little bump in the road. Like, yes, if you put it together and be like. You are making out with your stepbrother. That's weird. <laughs> but the fact that, like, no, it was more of their parents were married for a brief period of time. Mm-hmm. There's crazier, like, the reality is there are crazier things out there of, you know, one spouse passing away and marrying the sibling of that spouse because it's comfort and close. So I was all for it. I thought it was a great relationship. What's your number? What's your your last one? Last one. Um, my best friend's wedding. Oh yeah, absolutely okay. love this movie. Another great Julia Roberts. Love her. You've got a thing for Julia, don't you? I do. Yeah, I really like. It's her. also got Richard Gere in it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good. It's a good. It's a good. Richard strong. Gere was not in my best friend's wedding. Yeah, no, sorry. I was thinking of Runaway Bride. I mean, f- f- I'm sorry. She's been in multiple movies with Richard Gere. And yes, he, Pretty you know, Woman, Runaway Bride. Okay, yes, but no, so. this one This one actually had a young Cameron Diaz in it. It was such a great movie. Was she the... Kimmy, she, you're never going to be Jell-O. He doesn't want creme brulee. He wants Jell-O. That's, Jell-O makes him comfortable. Okay, sorry. I'm going on a tangent. I want to hear your five. Okay, here are my five. Here they come. Number five. Okay, number five is, um, it's actually a twofer. Uh, Shop Around the Corner and You've Got Mail. You've Got Mail, of course, being sort of the, oh, the yeah. reboot of Shop Around the Corner. I love, I love both versions. 
watched uh, You've Got Mail many, many, many times. Again, my wife loves Meg Ryan, kind of like she loves Reese Witherspoon and Kate Hudson. So I've seen Your all of Your wife and I movies. could be friends. Yes. We love the same people. Probably. Probably. My number four is uh, classic. I loved it. Coming out of the movie, I thought it was the most fantastic movie ever. I saw it in theaters. It's Jerry Maguire. <gasps> yes. You complete, you complete me. me. You complete me. You had me at hello. Anyway, um, great movie. Also, I'm a big fan of Cameron Crowe and all of his movies. So, uh, I mean, you know, this was just like one more in the book. Number three. Number three for me is... Yeah, Notting Hill. Yeah, it's Notting Hill. It's Notting Hill. Uh, it's Hugh Grant. It's... Uh, see, I've got a... I've got a... Uh, Julia Roberts on my list as well. But when he spills the OJ on her and... Way, yeah. way different feel than most of Julia Roberts And the movies. roommate and he has to wear the oh, goggles yeah. to the movies and Fantastic. all the different names she has at the hotels. Oh, it's a great movie. Loved it. Um, okay, and uh, number four... Two, I think. Number two. Is our, am I on two? Okay. Number two is uh, Crazy Stupid Love. Mm-hmm. Fantastic movie. I watch it. I have watched it many times. I specifically love um, the the interaction between uh, Steve Carroll and um, Ryan, Gosling. Ryan Gosling. But even more than shopping. that, yes. even more than that, the relationship between Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone is just um, amazing. It's fantastic. I root for them all day and twice on Sunday. Emma Stone's awesome. Um, and then finally, okay, see see what I've done here is I've got, I, I actually had six because I added one to the top of my list as the number one. So guess what, ladies and gentlemen, I said I was at number two. Actually, that was number three because I'm going to give you two more because I can't believe that we left this one off our list. So my number two, which originally was my number one, is When Harry Met Sally, which is a fantastic movie. I would stand by that choice uh, again. I would stand by it rock firm. You could argue with me until I was blue in the face or you were blue in the face and I would not budge (laughs) on that except for the fact that guess what did not make either of our lists? What? Princess Bride. Neither of us remembered to put Princess Bride in our. I guess because we kept quoting it, we just assumed. And it's, I mean, it, but it is, it is, it is actually my number one favorite romantic comedy of all time, easily, hands down, no questions asked. It is an amazing movie. I mean, the reality is, there's so many great movies out there. And we're trying to make it light and frothy right now, but let's. <laughs> because it's about to get serious, y'all. It's getting serious. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. Say it again. What? No, sorry. No. It's meat and potato time. It's yes. time for the meat and potatoes. Love and marriage. Okay, so J-Lo may tell you love don't cost a thing, but that's love, not... that's a lie. That girl be lying. <laughs> she is a liar. Mm. Money sure can determine the fate of your relationship. Uh, so money can't buy you love, but it can definitely tear you apart. Can't buy me love. See all these catchy songs that are out there? But really, let's talk about this. Love and money. Love and money. Okay, first and foremost, just right out of the gate, my top tip, my very, very tippy top tip is set your expectations on the front end. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you have, if you are if you are new to relationships, obviously those those folks that have been doing this for a long time you're like yeah whatever i know what i'm doing now uh but for those of you that are just jumping into a new relationship and you think it's going to go somewhere and you think you might end up marrying somebody and 
you know, making a life with them. Set those expectations on the front end. Uh, I mean, financial expectations. So, so very important that you that both of you know where the other one is coming from on the very front end. So you hear all the time, it's, you know, don't, don't talk about politics. Don't talk about religion, like in mixed company. But the thing is, let's, love and money, those are things that people openly will talk about how they're in love, but people do not like talking about money. But the thing is, those are two complex subjects in their own way. And when you mix them together, it can create a recipe for disaster if it's not handled carefully. It's one of those that you've got to make sure you're finding that compatible partner and you, yeah, you understand. You've got your ground rules. Communication is key. You hear about marriage counseling, but really there should be financial counseling before you even go to marriage counseling because it's such an important part of it. So what really we, there should be financial counseling before you even get married. Oh yeah, that's, mean, we're going to talk about some of those steps you can do. So financial compatibility. Okay, you have found this perfect person. You are visually attracted to them. You're emotionally attracted to them. They're kind. They may have your same interests. They like your family. They like your dog. Whatever it may be, that's all great and dandy. But when the dust settles, when the looks go away, when you know you're settled in, what are their financial standards? Where do they stand on this? How are they raised? What is their relationship with money? Because Ladies and gentlemen, financial issues are the second leading cause for divorce just after infidelity. Mm. Let that settle in. Money. Simple financial issues. Money changes everything. <laughs> and it's we're not talking about some, oh yeah, you know, that person who embezzled all their money. Of course they got divorced. No, this is across the board. Financial issues that are happening left and right. And so... There are several telltale signs out there to find out, are you financially compatible with someone? Okay. Well, and I assume that you are now going to tell I'm me what those signs are. I'm now going to tell are. you. Yep. So, you know, think about your spouse. Think about that person you, you may be thinking about making your spouse. You know, make sure that you are talking openly about your finances. If you or your partner are routinely hiding spending habits from one another, that's a problem. Did you know that that's actually called financial infidelity? Yes. So hiding. No, I didn't know that. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that before. <laughs> I didn't know. It's one of those that when But you, I mean, you know, it makes sense. I mean, when you start when you start racking up debt, that debt that both of you are ultimately going to be responsible for, and you're not telling your spouse, or your significant other about that debt, uh, if it's going to affect them, then in a way it is sort of like infidelity. I mean... So, uh, so me having uh, my new... Disney uh, Mickey ears sent to the office so that my husband doesn't see him sh- sent to the house. Mm. I guess I guess that's a financial infidelity. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that depends on how expensive these Mickey ears <laughs> no, are. For goodness' sake, I, I'm just saying it's one of those that you know when you're hiding financial secrets, it's not necessarily a deal breaker, but it could signal distrust in your relationship, and it could eventually snowball and be a bigger issue. I mean, okay, so let's let's sort of. Pause for a moment just to point out that one of the things that you have to understand about yourself is what is your relationship with money mm-hmm. and what is your partner's relationship with money? Because, and I'm again, I'm not going to get deep, deep into this, but because this is, this is a whole different topic. It's not even financial. This it, is a lot but, of... 
philosophy. You know, some people may be perfectly fine with an open marriage or with whatever, within, you know, how how they respond to infidelity or how they respond to other relationships and so forth. You could be perfectly fine with that. Same thing with money. If your relationship with money is, I don't care what you do, you do whatever you want, you be you. If that's how you feel about it, then then you may be okay. But if you have a very strong feeling and a very strong sense about making sure that you don't go into debt and making sure that you you know you stick within a budget and so forth, and your partner doesn't have that same sense, then you could seriously feel like you have been betrayed mm-hmm. if they go out and spend a ton of money that that you weren't expecting and didn't plan on. So, yeah, and it's, it's how it merges together because you by yourself may know exactly what you want and you're sure of it and your spouse knows or your future spouse, whatever it may be, knows what they are doing and they've got it. But when you mix it together, it's, I mean, it's, you think about a tornado when it's two elements mixing together, it's the freak accident that causes the spiral to happen, causes the cyclone. So look at it that way of like in your marriage, are you going to make it? A beautiful day, or is it going to turn into a, a tornado, a storm? So what can you take into consideration when you're trying to figure these things out? If a person is is right for you, what what are what are some of the things that you're going to look at? Yeah, and so that's where you know, kind of these are figuring out if you're financially compatible. So you know, talking openly about your finances, not being scared to admit and talk about things. The next one, understanding the debt, that is huge because you hear about. Oh, I bring baggage and it, and people may refer to that of like if they've got a child or if they've got, you know, family drama or whatever, they're bringing emotional baggage, hmm. which then can roll into financial baggage. But we're talking about understanding their financial baggage they're bringing. Like what, what are they showing up to the table with? Hmm. Are they sitting on credit card debt? Are they, you know, have crazy student loans? Do they have a gambling problem? Hmm. What is their credit score? Yeah. Do you remember from the credit score episode, Court, when we talked about uh, oh, yeah. the that there's actually dating sites out there that will put together people that have similar credit scores mm. and that there's a there's statistics out there. Of course, you know, take it with a grain of salt, ladies and gentlemen. There's so many statistics out there and you can be the exception of the rules. But there is this difference between if one person has a very high credit score and then the other one has a lower, it causes some issues. Yeah, there are... Okay, so just as a side note, there are memes, postcards, bumper stickers, uh, GIFs, all sorts of things out there that are like, you know, for instance, some people do this and such, and some people do this and such, and unfortunately, they usually marry each other. I I sent you a snap of that the other day. (laughs) I was like, well, you know, you've got some people who, when they hit just below a quarter of the tank... They're almost out of gas and they need to get gas. Then you have me who's sending a Snapchat that I was at five miles till empty and nowhere near a gas station. Oh, come on. There is a gas station within five miles of where you were, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. I'm sure. Because I think you were still at the office at the time. I and was. So, yeah, we got, we got, we got gas stations within five miles yeah, of the but office. So anyway. it, we're, we're not saying that, you know, just because, op- you know, there's opposites attract. And that can happen. Absolutely. Sure. And it's merging things together, but it's all about how you work together and you figure out what is going to be your financial relationship because that is such a key component other than just you love that person because hell, can I say hell? I guess I'm saying hell. You just did. Said it three times. You just threw out the (laughs) H-E-double hockey stick. There's a lot of people I love, but I would not want to be married to them and I would not want to share finances with them, but it doesn't mean that I don't love them as a person. So it's you, I feel like we 
and that, that's getting real deep into like, you really got to think about your spouse because you could love them, but they may, your future spouse, let's say that. You could really love them. <laughs> if you're already married, we're not advocating for No, <laughs> you may love your boyfriend or whatever it may be, and you want to be in a relationship with them. You want to have a life with them, but you also have to have that hard reality of yourself. Like, are you too good for each other? Like, are, are you going to work together? Not too good, like T-O-O good. Are you too T-W-O good for each other? Are the two of you good for each other? Oh, are you two? Not T-O-O, not T-W-O. Are the two oh, of Lord. you good for each other? Okay. Are the two of you good yes. for each other? Yes, moving on. So Katie, yes. before we move on, would you like me to remove this segment or keep it? <laughs> we'll call the segment hypotheticals <laughs> or digging a hole. <laughs> Continue. Okay, so uh, it's time for Court's Hammer, because we're going to hammer on this throughout the episode. Communication is key, and managing your expectations is key throughout your marriage. If you didn't set expectations on the front end, then there's never a, there's never a bad time for you to go ahead and set those expectations it's and never talk too late. out what it is that you expect from your partner. Mm-hmm. So managing those expectations is key, and to do that, you have to communicate. Court's Hammer. Boom. Yep. Okay, so we talked about the financial baggage they're bringing you need to make sure you share the same financial goals. And there's so much that goes into this. And it also goes into how you were raised. It's, how important is money to you? What you know, yeah. what sort of what sort of what sort of uh, financial background did, did you have as a child? Were you mm-hmm. were you was your family did your family struggle? Did is were money not savers? an issue for you? You know, yeah. all of these things can play into the way that you personally or your significant other personally relates to money and yeah. how it should be used is, and what should be done with it. Is your goal to have to buy a house? Is your goal to fund your kid's college education? Is it to be able to financially help your parents when they, you know, get to a point where they may need your help? Or do you just want to spend every dime you got and live in a shack and party all the time? Exactly. But I mean, these are big things. Like you sit there and talk about before you get married that, oh, how your religion, how are you going to raise your kids? But you've got to talk about the finances. That Mm -hmm. is so huge. I mean, remember back, we said second cause, second most cause for divorce is finances. Well, and I mean, you know, you, you mentioned religion and religion... To you know, if you if you're a one religion and somebody and somebody that you're dating is another religion, obviously you're going to take into consideration how that's going to affect your relationship. But what about tithing? I mean, tithing was something that I never even considered before mm-hmm. I married my spouse because it was not something that that I necessarily really just thought about all that much. But for her, tithing was a thing. Yeah, charitable and for lots giving. Of people, tithing is a thing. You know, that's something you do on a regular basis. Ten yeah. percent, whatever. Um, and gift giving, like you made a comment about your wife being such a great gift giver. Mm-hmm. I know my love language is giving gifts mm-hmm. and I enjoy picking something out for somebody and giving it to them and seeing their reaction to it. But someone who doesn't understand that may think that I'm just throwing away money mm-hmm. and spending money where I shouldn't be. Yep. Yep. So it, it's really, it's getting into the psyche of it all and understanding your relationship with money and what your family's relationship was it, and then what you want your relationship together to be with finances. So, do you have the same financial comfort zone? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's making sure you know similar financial upbringings is usually a good idea, but it doesn't mean that someone who was 
you know, from a family that struggled compared to a family that was well off, it doesn't mean it doesn't work. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to go. I don't want to go out there and say like, you know, if you if you w- were raised a poor person and and then you meet a billionaire, that it's never going to work, and you should just, you know, that sounds a little bit classist slash elitist or whatever. I think it's just so. you know that you need to have an awareness that there is yeah. a different. You're going to have a different mindset about money. Uh, If you come from those two very, very different backgrounds, you're going to have a different mindset about money. Absolutely. I mean, but like, for instance, Sabrina, another movie that didn't make my list, but is a great movie. Chauffeur's Daughter in love with the the very, very rich New Yorker Mm -hmm. businessman. Uh, You know, she's she's poor and he's very, very rich and, you know, different attitudes. Romantic comedies like that wouldn't work if we just said that rich people can never date and marry poor people. So, no, we're not saying that. It's just, it's, you know, the key thing is awareness, communication, compromise. I mean, those are all kinds of scary words out there. Which one of you volunteers to talk about politics? Because we've covered religion, (laughs) money, and we need to complete the taboo trifecta, right? (laughs) No, no. Well, I mean, I guess if you're making political contributions, then, you know. Yeah. There's that. Who are those contributions to? Yeah. <laughs> you know, got to talk about these things. Do you believe in supporting your local politicians? And is that going to be an issue later on down the road? Okay. Financial comfort zone is another thing you need to look at your compatibility because there are some people that willy nilly are fine with, you know, revolving credit card debt and only having a small amount of cash in the bank, which, you know, again, we, we told you with the budgeting episode, we like to have that. You know, three months worth of living expenses in the bank for you to have for emergencies. And you need to make sure with your partner, you've got an understanding of your financial comfort zone. Are you fine taking on those big loans and debts to get to your financial goals you want? Or are you someone who's like, nope, you want to hide it all under the mattress because that's what you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then uh, let's see what's next. Um, okay, so for instance, and this 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 is sort of a very broad topic. We've we've got a single bullet here, but uh, it, it really has so much depth to it that we could probably create a whole episode just out of this one thing. But income, do you have equal incomes? Is one person gonna get uh, gonna get sort of is are they gonna have their ego hurt if they aren't earning as much as the other person, or is it a situation where you have one person who is who is generating the majority of the income for the house. The other person is working in the home. Uh, you know, is, is there, are these sorts of things going to be issues? Are they going to cause resentment? Mm-hmm. You, you know, you've got to make sure that, that there is a clear understanding that one of the issues with a disparity in income is that let's face it, income money gives a person a certain amount of power. How, if, if it's, if it's quote unquote, your money, if it's my money because mm-hmm. I earned it and then you go and spend it, but I'm the one that earned it. I'm exercising a, a, a degree of power over you because I'm saying I'm the one that works and makes the money and then you go and spend it. That's, that's, you know, that's not necessarily the healthiest way to deal with that because, you know, it's not my money. It's if we're, if we're in a, if we're in a partnership together, then yours, mine and ours. Yeah. I'm I'm working I'm working over here and earning this money. You're working over here and earning either less money or maybe you're working to keep my household going or maybe I'm working to keep my household going and you're out earning all of the money. Exactly, Court. Like several times when we have clients come in, we're talking to them about 
running life insurance analysis and trying to make sure if something happened. And most people think, oh, okay, well, yeah, I've just got to replace my husband who's bringing the income in. I don't work outside the home. Well, the thing is though, no, if something was to happen to the, we call it the non-working spouse, if something was to happen to them, there is still a financial burden that hit because now who's going to take care of the household? Who's going to take care of the children and make sure that things are taken care of while the other one is working? So mm -hmm. there is, just because someone is not bringing in the income, it doesn't need to be a relationship where that is thrown to them and known. I've heard horror stories that, Horror stories, but it may work for some people, is that the working spouse gives um, an allowance to the non-working spouse. I'm sorry if my husband tried to be like, here's your spending and allowance. I would just like throw it in his face. He'd be like, no, mm -hmm. that that's that's degrading and making it seem like a control. Or that if it's the one that, like you said, it makes it where the working spouse is trying to control the non-working one or the lesser working one because mm -hmm. they say, I get to make all the decisions because I bring home most of the money. Well, and we do want to be clear that we don't think that, uh, we don't think like, for instance, if someone is is a homekeeper, if someone is the house manager, whatever, whatever title you want to give that person, if mm -hmm. the person works in the home and doesn't actually have an income, but they are keeping, keeping the home together, we're not saying that that person is not working. So no. we're, when we say non-working we're not you know that's that's not what we they mean have by some that. of the yeah, hardest jobs yeah yeah so running just, carpool running activities making sure that you know just the day-to-day -day operations are handled yeah. so they're running in they're running a business and that's really what it is is when you say i do or when you agree to a committed relationship you are getting into a partnership you are creating a business with this other person that you are agreeing to your terms of how are we going to run our day-to-day -day operations how are we going to meet our our goals. What so, are our goals? All of this is part of your, the philosophy. All of this is part of the way you're going to approach things. And again, hammer time. It's all about the communication and making sure that you are managing expectations and make sure that you understand that if you are in a power position, how you how you act is going to affect the way your the way your marriage works. It, you can impact your marriage negatively if if you act in a certain way. So you just have to be conscious that what you do and say is probably affecting the other person. Now, for the purposes of the rest of the conversation, we may not necessarily always assume that both spouses earn the same amount of money, but it will in uh, in a, several of the, the remaining topics that we have, it will help if you just sort of, okay, if, if everything is equal, yeah. then, then what do you do? I mean, it's just one of those that the other thing is with financial uh, compatibility it's just making sure you understand your patterns on spending and saving. We touched on that. And then trying not to argue about finances and don't bottle it up. If there are financial concerns or issues, you bring it to the table and have a discussion about it before it becomes an issue. A lot of times with our clients, we end up kind of being a therapist, helping them out. And I bet you every single one of you listening to this has heard this probably this week of, Oh yeah, I got this. Don't tell my husband or don't tell my wife. Mm. I mean, I know I'm guilty of it. I say it all the time. I'm like, oh, well, I really need to help out my friend with something. I'm going to pay for this and just don't tell my husband about this. Whereas with my wife, it's more like, my husband got this. Don't tell him. <laughs> 
the the stuff hits my account. My wife is the banker. I don't. You know. Okay, so then that's part of it. Is you know, and I want to do a whole episode where we really dive into this. When you decide to get married, it's about finances and do you merge or do you not? Mm-hmm. But we do want to address that. That just because you get married doesn't mean you have to have a joint account. You've got to figure out what works best for you. Is it having a joint account? Is it having your individuals? How are you paying the bills? Mm -hmm. Because it can be detrimental depending on who you are. A joint account can be great because then it merges everything together and it's it's very transparent. Mm -hmm. Or it could be that it feels like it's taking that person's independence away and they need to have those individual accounts. I know, frankly, mine's a little ridiculous because we have... A joint account. Thank you, Robin. <laughs> we have a joint account, and then we both have two individual outside accounts. And it's yeah. not that we're hiding one from the other. It's just the way we're kind of used to it now, that's what we've got is the joint is where we pay all of our mutual bills together mm-hmm. and you know put the bulk of the money. But the other individual accounts are kind of our play money that we get to do what we want. Mm-hmm. And it's not hiding, but it's also one of those that – I don't want to feel like I need to go to him with every little whim purchase I make, and yeah. he doesn't need to come to me with them. Yeah, you mentioned the other day that you had heard something on a either in an article or on TV or a podcast or something like that, where somebody said that basically any purchase decision that was made that was over a hundred dollars, you should consult with your spouse. Oh, that was about in the it. notebook that we had to do before our before marriage, your wedding, whatever your marriage, your marriage, like basically your marriage counseling preview yes. before you get married. Yes. You have to the, go through anything over a hundred dollars. I mean, I'd be talking to him almost every day sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it helps to have that sort of... We have we have a joint account that we pay all of our bills out of. We each have our own separate accounts as well. And so there's some money that, that shifts. All of our paychecks go into the joint account. We have a budget. We know what expenses are going to come out of that joint account. And we also know that each of us is going to get a certain amount of money in our individual account that we can spend with impunity, basically. That is our money to spend how we see fit. And... You can not call it an allowance if you find that term <laughs> offensive, but I I call it my allowance. I get an allowance on a you know on a bi monthly basis. It's the and, money for my paycheck that goes into my account that I get to spend how I want. Yeah, and but that shows you how it's it's every partnership is different yeah. and unique, and you've got to figure out what works for you and your family. And also, here's the thing: your marriage. What I've learned, and obviously, okay, so Court, you've been married how long? I've been married for twenty five and a half years. Okay, yeah. And so I'm rounding up on year and a half. So I am very new to all of this. But what I can gather from my short time in this is that you have to constantly be evolving. That your marriage is going to change as you get kids, as things happen, as life comes about. And so what you said is your financial discipline as us, you know, newly married, no kids versus where you guys are Mm -hmm. with kids I'm sure it's not the same as when you first started out. Oh, well, no, obviously. I mean, obvi- well, for, for starters, we've gone through several different stages uh, of, of finances and the way our household ran and so on and so forth. So when we started, we were both, when we got married, I was still in college. Mm-hmm. So Robin was the sole source of income while I was still in college, our first year of marriage. Then I got out of college and, and I got a job. So we're both working. And then we had a kid. And so we have a kid and then we have a kid in daycare and we're both working. Then we have a second kid and I'm working and Robin is working part time. And then Robin went to working full time out of the house, but not, you know, it was just basically was was a stay at home mom. 
did that for a long time, had a third kid, decided I wanted to go to law school. Robin went back to work and I quit working to go to law school. I mean, we have had every possible different combination of working, earning income, who's handling what, every different possible combination you could have over the course of our lives. Uh, and now we're both back to our kids are basically almost out of the house and we both work outside of the house, earning an income that goes into the household, you know, goes into household expenses. So it's, it's, it's like we're back at, back at the starting point almost. We've gone full circle. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's one of those understanding your spouse and understanding his life changes. Like I know that, I, right now, when I get in my feelings and get emotional, then I will sometimes binge and shop and buy stuff that I probably shouldn't have. And what's good is that I'm very aware of it and I know about it. And so my husband may just be like, uh, let, let's, you know, you okay? Let, let's stop spending so much money. But it's addressed in a way of like, look, I'm concerned because you're spending too much money right now. Let's tone it down. Let's see if we can find another way to fix this versus... What could happen is me hiding it and then him never saying anything to me and then we fast forward six months and then we're doing this podcast and I'm telling you, well, I'm divorced, guys. So it's kind of having those open that communications. That a dark turn. <laughs> I'm being realistic I and open it. about it. it. I'm just being real, y'all. I'm just being real. So with it, well, I'll just go even darker here, Cam, okay? Oh, so we just talked about asset protection. And with this, it's also a part of it. In a relationship, you've got to protect your assets. And as much as you are so excited to get married and you love this person, you do need to always look at things from a different angle and look at what could happen if you were to get divorced. What could happen if this person is actually someone who's been smoothing you for several years to get you to this point and then as soon as you are married and move your finances over they take it all mm -hmm. so i think i need legal court to come back i need court to be in session because prenups and postnups well okay my goodness i didn't realize we were going to get into this on this particular episode uh yes prenups it's and postnups exist they are effective you need a professional to help you draft one uh, i mean so many things can go into how effective they are, whether or not a court will enforce it. It is definitely not something you want to get out of a vending machine. This is definitely <laughs> something that you want some expert advice on crafting. Um, I am not in, in either camp in terms of for or against prenups. Some people have them. Some people don't. Some people think it ruins the romance. Some people think that it's, it's absolutely unrealistic if you don't have one because it, it helps. If, if things fall apart at the end, it's going to help you maybe maintain some sanity and not kill each other um you know My, uh, so i did a prenup and it's more of because it's i wanted to make sure that both of us have family businesses that we may existing one assets. we may yeah. one day inherit them mm -hmm. we don't know you know but it's we wanted to make sure that we were protecting ourselves that if we went crazy and decided that we needed to divorce and actually um Court, you may have drafted this document, but my I did not. Uh, my cut no this one my cousin's document. Oh. They uh they got married and they were moving into my grandmother's house and there's actually a crazy witch changed the W to a B clause, and it is mm. that if if the spouse who is not related to my grandmother goes crazy, then she does not get the house essentially. But it's one of those. Yes, it may take the romance out of it, but it's protecting yourself yeah. and it's. It's looking at things in a different way and making okay, sure. I, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole no. <laughs> too deep, but I will say one of the things, since we brought it up, uh, when you when you marry, 
There are ways that you can combine assets and there are ways that you can keep your assets separate. Mm -hmm. And it will, depending on the state that you're in, it will affect how those assets are divided should you ever divorce. So keep in mind, if you're like, oh, yay, I inherited a million dollars from my grandpa. I'm going to throw this in our joint account. Well, guess what? You just made that million dollars from your grandpa joint money. Mm -hmm. And so even though it was your inheritance from your grandpa, if later on down the road you get divorced, that money could be split 50-50. It could go halfsies on you. So th these are things to take into consideration. Like I said, I don't want to get too deep into it this time, but all of this matters. And it, it, again, it comes back to what is your financial personality? What is the personality of your partner? How do you feel about these sorts of things? Is it love is forever and I don't care, damn the gods, we're going, we're going all in and it doesn't matter what happens? Or are you far more cautious and careful about the way that you pursue these things? If you have the same type of personality, if both of you agree on how things are going to be handled, then sure, maybe you merge. Otherwise, maybe you keep things separate and you're careful about it. Okay, moving on. Let's say that both parties are equal. Mm -hmm. Let's say that, and by equal, I mean both parties are making a, an equal financial contribution to the household income. Okay. Very, very specific there. Both parties have to be financially accountable. Yes. Okay. That's simple, right? Mm -hmm. But what if parties are unequal? What if one person is bringing home more than the other? Does that mean that the person who is bringing home less is less financially accountable? No. No, it should absolutely be 50 not. 50-50. Yeah. No it, matter what. It should be a partnership. And actually, uh, when we were discussing this with David Pickler, he brought up uh, Daryl Hall with Hall & Oates and how, you know, it's an example of every partnership is different. And there was, I think, some interviews about how, well, why... You know, why are y'all sharing 50-50? Why? Because it's, you know, I guess it was Daryl Hall was the majority of the mastermind behind the music. He was the singer. He was the lyricist. So on yeah. and so forth. Yeah. And so then people are like, well, then you should get more because you're really the one doing it. But then when he went on his own, he didn't do as well. That just because your partnership on paper or what people may see isn't a 50-50 doesn't mean that you don't need each other because... Yes, this isn't just looking at dollars. This is so much of the psychiatry behind it, the philosophy, the the emotions behind it. Because money causes emotions. So much of it. Anger, sadness, fear, everything. You, you need to be equally invested, but everybody also has their role to play. So like, for instance, back to the Daryl Hall and John Oates example... Daryl Hall may have been doing the singing, but John Oates was doing the clapping. And without the clapping, <laughs> there really is private eyes. We're watching you. Uh, anyway, you know. It, yeah, it wouldn't be the same without the clapping. I think there. I think that was a. I think that was an SNL reference. I think maybe there was an SNL skit. Where, anyway, um, everybody has a part to play in these in these relationships, and you never know what what part each partner is going to play. It could be that. Your partner, maybe you're the one that's creative and you're out there and you're flashy and your partner is the one that anchors you. Your partner is the one that stabilizes you. You need to recognize that both partners are giving to this relationship and that both have a, an investment, an equal investment in this relationship. Um, and if you need a bad guy, a scapegoat, then it's one of those. You can always get a partner like us or something like that that kind of help you work with your future spouse, your spouse on trying to put together the budgets and figuring out how the finances work together. Um, I mean, there's no no harm in trying to ask for help to figure out how to handle this because this is a big deal and it's something that can be very daunting on where do you start. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I guess at this point it's, it's kind of too late to say this, but, but if it isn't obvious, you know, 
gender gender roles are flippity floppity and twisty turny and they don't matter anymore. Oh I mean, yeah, there's ignore I mean, that. That's that's we're not back to the Mr. Mom days where it was so shocking for the mom to be the stay at home parent. It's yeah. now it's whatever it is. Manage your expectations, communicate, set your goals, understand what sort of lifestyle you both want and expect. That's part of managing those expectations. And then, you know, live and continue to communicate and continue to continue to uh, adapt as things change. Because the, the fact is that you have heard probably somewhere along the line in your life, you have heard the saying, love conquers all, right? Okay, well, <laughs> love conquers all. That's, that's kind of BS. Love doesn't conquer all, really. Mm-mm. I mean, basically, having a plan, you know, that, 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 that helps. Being flexible, that helps. Um, oh, yeah. Being flexible, for sure. Empowering each other. Working together as a team. That's the stuff. That's the recipe for conquering That's all. That's the tea. <laughs> love conquers all is great. I love love. I love romance. I love ro- you know. I'm 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 sort of a, a sap for the the guilty guilty pleasure romantic comedy movies. But bottom line, love doesn't conquer. <laughs> love doesn't conquer finances. It really doesn't. No, it doesn't. I mean, that's my favorite show. Cam and I were just talking about it. it was Shit's Creek right now and how they lost all their money and had to be flexible and adjust to a new lifestyle, but they had to do it together. So mm. it's, you know, flexibility is very important. Of, um, you know, what is it David always says about uh, the theory that it's not, it's not survival of the fittest, but it's survival of those most apt to adapt. Yes. Most able to most adapt. Most able to okay. adapt. Yeah. Okay, Katie, let's give this puppy a bullseye because we've talked it to death. Okay, bullseye. Communication. Communication. Talk to each other. Even when it's hard, have those conversations. Have those little touch points every once in a while. Make sure things are going the way they're supposed to be going. So communicate. And then also accountability. Mm-hmm. Be each other's partner. Be each other's rock. That's what you agreed to when you got into this relationship, that you were there to support each other. We'll support each other. I mean, I think you said in sickness and in health, poorness, mm-hmm. richness, whatever it may be. Like Obey. No. No, 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 no. We're not obeying. <laughs> I did not agree to obey. <laughs> but yes, accountability. Be each other's partner. Make sure you're there for each other. Bullseye. Bullseye. Okay, mine is... Manage expectations. Set those goals. But be realistic about setting those goals. Understand, how, you know, really dig deep and, and understand yourself. How tolerant are you going to be of those things that your partner does that really drive you crazy? Are you going to be able to let them go? Because if you're not able to let them go now, you're not going to get used to them down the road. They're okay. just going to drive you crazier and crazier and crazier. So manage your expectations. It's really a roller coaster, a marathon roller coaster yeah, that you're it on. it absolutely is. It <laughs> definitely feels... It's it's a, it's the long. We're we're in it for the long haul, right? Mm-hmm. Manage those expectations, set those goals, communicate like Katie said, and then be able to adapt and be willing to adapt. Be a chameleon. Uh, uh, okay. No. You get to sing this whole episode. <laughs> That's my bullseye. Ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You've made it to the end of yet another crazy episode of Bullcast Podcast. This this episode, we're talking about love. Who knows what we'll talk about next time? Let's talk about something different. Anyway, 
if you liked what you heard, then feel free, if you haven't already, to subscribe to our little podcast. You can go to your favorite subscription service and hit that subscribe button and get this thing in your ears every single week. You can also comment. Uh, if you'd like to comment even more, you can go to our website, find out a little bit about me and Katie, leave a comment, leave a question, leave a topic suggestion. <laughs> oh, that sounded good. <laughs> uh, also, you like pictures? We got pictures. You can follow us on the IG. Our handle is at Bullcast Podcast. And if you like the little tweets, you can follow us on Thank Twitter. Uh, our handle on Twitter is also at Bullcast Podcast. And finally, if we haven't mentioned it today, Katie and I work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out even more about Katie and I, we've got some bios on the website. You can also find out a ton about our amazing team and our boss, David Pickler. That's Pickler Wealth Advisors. The website is picklerwealthadvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, I have given you everything that you could possibly need to live a wonderful and happy life. So, for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. And we're done. Happy Valentine's Day. Bye.